0: I was pondering that rather faded cliche, the devil made me do it. How that tired old phrase has been used in infinite variations to explain some cruel and irrational and benign human beings. The fear of possession by some brutal and savage demon lurks there in the shadowed cavern of our minds along with other dreads. Fear of the dark, fear of solitude, fear of death. I imagine they all fit within that greatest of all fears, the fear of the unknown. But then I think that in these modern times there is so little left of the unknown. Is not the dark merely absence of light, solitude nothing more than sanctuary away from a crowded world, and death? Well, it is inevitable, yet there there be few among us who have not led it a merry chase. But what of demonic possession? Can it not be understood through the science of psychology? Ah, but my musings continue. For if such things can be so easily explained away by enlightened folks such as you and I, what is it that we still Fear about them. I apologize for my digression, but as you might suspect, it concerns tonight's excursion into the macabre. Producer director Roger Corman's Haunted Palace was released by American International Pictures in 1964. The film is based mainly on an H.P. Lovecraft story, The Case of Charles Dexter Ward, with smatterings of an Edgar Allan Poe poem entitled The Haunted Palace added in for ghoulish spice. Not only does the film deal with possession, but also with necromancy, the black art. In the haunted palace, necromancy is used to wreak a horrible vengeance upon a 19th century New England village. But as we shall see, there is danger that this awesome power may also consume he who wields it. Well, my thoughts have run their course for the moment. I, I trust I haven't frightened you away. Oh, but you see, I am, uh, well, I'm a rather rude host. Please forgive me, and welcome to the haunted palace.
1: Uh, Court?
2: Yeah, what's up, man?
1: Why did I get alarms and I've gone into the
2: bunker? Uh, yeah, the new automated system that I've been kind of working on dragged you in there out of the lab. Yeah, and also knocked you out. I kind of took a contract again, the one that I promised you I would never do again.
1: You're doing the weaponized diseases again, aren't you?
2: Yeah, and I got this really great idea. See, I I've been reading The Stand. Well, I've been listening to an audio book, but I guess that counts as reading, you know?
1: So what are you doing? This is so. Dangerous.
2: What? I'm just testing a very weakened version of it. You know, so far I'm so miserable, Matt. It's the worst pain you can possibly imagine, and I'm so dehydrated and it's so awful. And we're gonna make a lot of money on this.
1: Man, this is, this is, number one, this is unethical.
2: I'm testing it on myself. Nobody else is getting hurt but me.
1: Yeah, but okay, why are you selling this then? What do you think they're going to do?
2: Well, I, that's not my concern.
1: Well, what do you mean that's not your concern? That has to be
2: your concern. Look, dude, it's an alternate reality that I'm going to send this to. It's, the money's still good. I mean, Bitcoin even works in alternate realities. I'm using the time chicken. It's going to be fine. Nobody in our reality is going to get hurt. Well, except for me. I, I'm fucking dying here.
1: How can you separate yourself like that, man? Money. God. God damn, you know what, while I may feel terrible about your morals, god damn do I respect your abilities and your fucking go-getter attitude.
2: Well, I mean, if it's going to take care of everything that we need to kind of pay off all the debt I have for the lab, it's it's worth it. I mean, these sex robots are not paying for themselves. People are stealing them. I know, right? By the
1: way, that's the kind of can-do attitude to help build this reality.
2: Yeah, well, what are we going to do, right?
1: Are you sending it to the reality where we all wear hats?
2: No, no, no. That's a just ridiculous, stupid place to be.
1: Well, uh, you should, though, because hat wearing that psyop is a
2: dick. I would argue that all versions of Matt Psyop are a dick.
1: Shut up. No one's asking for your facts.
2: Look, we gotta do this fucking episode, because we can't torture people psychologically while I'm being tortured physically from this disease if we don't record something. I
3: know. We gotta get going. Anyone who isn't dead or from another
4: plane of existence would do well to cover their ears. Right about now.
1: Cinema
5: Psyops. My personal view is that it's nauseating, disgusting, degrading, ghastly. Guard them as disgusting, nasty, horrible, without any kind of merit. I just do not believe that any allegedly cultural activity which strikes at the roots of culture is to be applauded. They represent nothing, to my mind, enduring, decent, or worthwhile. I just do not believe that they contribute anything worthwhile to inflict themselves upon society at large. I would like to see somebody
0: very large, exceedingly deep hole and dropped the whole bloody lot down it. You know, I think uh, the whole world would be vastly improved by their
1: total utter non-existence. P-S-R-O-P-S! Cinema PsyOps,
5: Wig hawk and Matt.
2: Hello and welcome to the quarantine zone in the lab. I am patient zero, aka Court, and joining me from the bunker, living the high life automated and feeling very good right now because every need is taken care of. Is Matt,
1: how you doing? Hello, I'm in a I'm in a bio suit. <laughs> I'm good, Court. How's the uh are you down with the sickness? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't want to be, but you
2: know, we moved some stuff around in the house and I kind of made it worse by getting dust all up in my sinuses and my lungs. And so, yeah the, you sound terrible. yeah, the weekend virus is taking over and yeah, you know, the, the whole captain trip super flu thing may not have been a good idea to screw
1: around with, but yeah, probably not. I think they made a movie about that once or a, show. Or a book. What, what the fuck? I don't care. I, just don't, I don't care kind of all of the above. This reminds me
2: of that time that I found a cure for Ryosin poison by giving it to myself by accident. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wait, I, I erased your brain because I tested the results on you to save my own life. Are you telling me I have that memory loss disease? I'm telling you that I wipe your brain constantly, so yeah, it's going to basically show up like that. Uh-huh. Why are we talking about Alzheimer's? What, that memory loss disease? I don't know. I'm sick as shit and I don't care. <laughs> but we got an episode to get through, so what we're going to do here, we're just going to kind of make it raw and lean and just going to go for it. So We're going to play a promo for another podcast. We're going to have a little bit of music, and when we come back, we'll have the trailer for the film.
3: Hello, this is the Doom Show. Keep on keeping on and keep on trucking, America. We don't listen to our feedback because we don't get any. (laughs) (laughs) The truth hurts. I just alienated the two people that give us constant feedback. Sorry, guys. (laughs) That's got to (laughs) go. That's got to go in there. So on the show... Uh, We talk about giallo movies and slasher movies and cult movies. Sometimes we even talk about Cameron Mitchell and his movies. I am Richard. Who are you? I am Brad, the guy that's not Richard or Jeffrey or Simon. That's right. We have four people and we always talk at once except to each other. Jeffrey lives up north. Simon lives across the world. Richard lives in Penis, Alabama. Hello, This is the Doom Show is a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network. Check out the other shows on LegionPodcast.com. You can check out more Hello, This is the Doom Show at Show.podomatic.com or at DoomMovieThon.com. Check for our Amazon exclusive Hello, This is the Doom Show cookbook. Do you like hot dogs? (laughs) We got them. Do you like mac and cheese? We got it. Do you like cheddar? We have it. Actually, we don't. No, no cheddar. Just Colby. Colby Jack. Hello, this is the Doom Show. We never gave up on you because you never gave up on us. Wow.
2: I know you aren't hearing the music through the bunker. Some reason I'm not getting it wired up, but I assure you it fits the movie and it's awesome. That's it. I'm, I'm imagining things now. <laughs> I'm, sure that what- that great. I'm sure that whatever you picture, it's nowhere near as perfect as me actually pulling the soundtrack out of the film and putting it in right here as we're talking probably not but it's going to be yeah it's going to be the editing magic of the movie world where i put in audio later in post and it makes it sound like
1: professional and shit god damn technology my friend it's almost like somebody could uh, accidentally push a button and make an entire island think they're going to be obliterated (laughs) yeah that happened yeah that was a thing you know what else is a thing matt what's that
2: this trailer
5: You are invited to an open house where horror will be your host. The Haunted Palace. You, who find a kind of macabre joyousness in the horrifying, will enjoy yourselves as in ecstasy in The Haunted Palace. Starring Vincent Price, a being who lived and died and lives again.
0: I'll not have my fill of revenge until this village is a graveyard intriguing Deborah Paget, whose appealing beauty inflames the blood of the
5: bloodless.
6: Charles, please.
5: Well, I've been very busy, but I'm back now.
6: Charles. Charles
0: the whole no. night. <laughs> no.
5: His violent, no. torturous passions inflict no. both pain and terror. Lon Chaney carrying on a family tradition of masterful motion picture horror while the strange and feared new master of the haunted palace reaches for the skeleton of one long dead. You see? He's
0: taken her mind, her soul, just like the others. Really, this is outrageous. From this night onward, you shall bear my curse. Burn him! Surely after all these years I'm entitled to a few small amusements?
2: I know you still can't hear it, but I got to tell you, dude, Trailer Guy voice fucking kicks ass in this.
1: Trailer Guy voice always kicks ass in everything.
2: Not necessarily. Whenever people try to knock it off, they always fuck it up and it sounds like shit. But
1: yeah, you can't knock it off. I mean, I mean, real Trailer Guy.
2: Yeah, this guy knows what he's doing. Yeah. I do have a quick question for you. Are you familiar with any H.P. Lovecraft stuff? Have you read anything or watched any movies? I have not.
1: I I mean, I'm aware of him and I'm kind of like, I've watched some movies that have probably been loosely based on his stuff. I know of one that you
2: loved too, actually, that is based very, not loosely, but very directly on a lot of Lovecraft stuff, In the Mouth of Madness.
1: Oh, yeah. Yes, you're right, then. Yeah. Yeah, I am in love with that movie. In the Mouth of Madness, that fucks me (laughs) up, like watching
2: it it's a really good example of what i like to refer to as a lovecraft salad which is pretty much what hot in palace is as well so instead of beating around the bush talking about it let's just dig right into the film dude all right okay so the film opens with the aip logo and i don't know if you're familiar with american international pictures or not that might not be the type of film that you watch readily or would notice it but i'm pretty sure you've probably seen some of their movies show up on mst3k and stuff
1: yeah, I, I'm sure probably, but I, I'm not fully aware of it now. Yeah, Well, it's important to know that AIP
2: made a whole bunch of low-budget, very interesting and cool pictures, and they basically rode the wave of exploitation. One of the things that they did that was excellent was the Corman-Poe cycle. Now, Roger Corman's the writer and director. You should recognize the name Roger Corman because he also became a famous producer of, well, trash cinema. <laughs> well, hey, we're trash people, so might as well watch some trash cinema. Yeah, and that's why I'm really glad that this got pulled from the stacks, So I'm glad it was successful, yeah. and we're going to talk about the uh, Haunted now, I really dug the animated spider sequence at the beginning. Have you been to like uh, any plays or anything like that with your wife that you've had an actual overture play that's like an example of the themes of the show that you're about to see so you get an idea of the emotional ride you're about to take? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Well, that's exactly what this is, where we have these credits over top of that music. It's kind of a, a little taste of what's to come for the the scores and the, the themes of the score. And I yeah. I really dug that. I really liked that they actually did a really kick-ass overture. And the way that Corman got away with it is that's how he did his credit sequences. So he kind of killed two birds with one stone. Yeah. And I really that's awesome. I really dug the spider. It looked like it was like a mix of animation and then like a time-lapse photography of a spider building a really giant web. <laughs> True. All right, so the movie title pops up, The Haunted Palace, which is not an H.P. Lovecraft story. That's actually a poem by Edgar Allan Poe, one of the things the producers kind of forced.
1: Oh, I didn't know that.
2: (laughs) Yeah, uh, Corman wanted a little bit of a break. He was really successful making a lot of these Poe films with Vincent Price, and it's some of both Vincent Price and Corman's best work, as far as I'm concerned. And he wanted a little change of pace. He wanted to do something a little different, so he decided to change it up and do a Lovecraft adaptation. And at the time, the studio seemed like they were okay with with it, But then it kind of got cold feet when they were like, wait, this has nothing to do with Edgar Allen Poe. The people want the Poe. That's what they know you for, kids. So They want,
1: yeah. they want some of that Poe. Give him yeah. some
2: of that Poe. They want a Poe boy. <laughs> <laughs> they want you to take a giant Poe. Well, he's just a Poe boy from a Poe family. <laughs> spare him his life. <laughs> From this monstrosity. <laughs> well,
1: easy come, easy go. Yeah.
2: Now, I really love the part where you see the butterfly land into the web, and you see the spider's about to make that his, you know, next meal as it fades yeah. in, you know, and the spider claims his food. That oh, really, yeah, that's, that's really cool. It really sets up the mood of the film, and you know you're in for some dark territory when they do that.
1: Yeah, they're good. Yeah, you know you're in, you're not in for a happy go-lucky time.
2: Unless you're me, and you're kind of, you know, masochistic, and you like being...
1: <laughs> yeah, you some kind of masochist
2: yeah, that sounded vaguely racist all right so as it fades away from the spider getting his meal we then fade into a foggy village in the dead of night as lightning strikes and there's a lot of great animated lightning strikes that accent the scenes whether to cover the editing or you know just kind of accent uh a something that somebody says that's supposed to be dire and really like horrific
1: what's it about uh, horror movies and places just being really stormy awful weather this time of year. Well, in this particular case, Arkham is the creation
2: of H.P. Lovecraft and it's his thing to have Arkham be in New England. And I don't know if you're aware about New England weather, but you know, kind of famous for storms and rainstorms and stuff from the ocean. So, <laughs> Yeah, it's true. And then the fog coming in from the port, you know, in New England or, or off the off the coast, it goes in pretty far inland. So, there you go. Yeah. Alright, so, in the dead of night, the lightning strikes and we see a man brooding out of the window when everyone's favorite drunken leprechaun from house on haunted hill elijah cook jr walks up to offer a bit of the old pain go bye bye juice <laughs> i like that i like that juice <laughs> but the brooding ezra wants nothing to do with micah who is offering the pain go bye bye juice well what the jerk other than to verify that he also sees the woman walking in the burgundy cloak through the town in the dead of night they end up following her like a pair of creeps to a cemetery drenched in fog and falling apart which is kind of sexy i get Where the movie's going. I'm into this. (laughs) Keep talking. Keep talking. All right, movie. (laughs) All right. All right. I'm not so sure about the two creeps following the girl, but girl walking into a cemetery. I'm into it. Okay. All right.
1: All right. I'll give you a shot. I'll give you a chance. Okay. Okay. Just... Make sure those two guys aren't, you know, too terrible. All right. So the woman
2: appears to be in some sort of a trance. As we see her, she has this dead behind the eyes, not really there, completely just kind of truly gone fishing blank look that you've come to expect from a Kardashian, which may or may not be the plastic surgery. (laughs) And then she approaches these two humongous entryway doors. We then see that this is obviously part of a very vast mansion or a huge, huge building. She is let in after knocking on the door, and that leads us to our first clip. Do you believe me now, Micah
5: Smith? Now that you have seen with your own eyes, do you believe me when I tell you that's the home of Satan himself?
2: Aye, aye. Come. After this, the woman's cloak is removed, revealing she is in a nightgown. And the music crescendos when we see Vincent Price as Kerwin. They really did that well. The way the camera kind of pans up and does the undershot to make him look more monstrous. And then the music just dwells right as they reveal him. Yeah. It was incredible. Yeah. All right, so the woman who is accompanying Price, let's just say it, she set my heart all aflutter and I couldn't stop staring at her. I didn't even mind the extremely long walk through the secret corridors because <laughs> she was pretty much dead center in the frame and I could not take my eyes off of her.
1: Yeah, uh, Vincent Price uh, always gets a a few attractive women in movies uh, with him. So, I mean, you know. It's almost like producers pick
2: attractive women only to be in movies and not based on how good of actors or actresses they are.
1: Maybe not in those days. Oh, maybe not in these days either. I don't know. (laughs) And if you're Harvey Weinstein, is based on how
2: much they submit to your will because you're a stick fuck.
1: If you're Harvey Weinstein, it's if they bought the lie to get him in the hotel room. Yeah.
2: yeah, ruins everything.
1: <laughs> what a fat fucking piece of garbage. And that's coming from a fat fucking piece of garbage. So I know what I'm t- talking about.
2: Yeah, but you're a whole different type of garbage. You're a classier type
1: yeah, of garbage. I'm, yeah, I'm much classier. I don't, I don't do that forcing shit on anything. Number one, that's wrong. And number two, uh, I am way too scared of women to try to force myself on anybody. Uh, They scare me with their uh, wonderment, and uh, I just don't know uh, what's going on. So I'm just scared.
2: Well, also your callow and weak-willed.
1: Yes, yes. Cowardly and weak-willed, definitely. Definitely all these things.
2: All right, so they lead the woman in the trance down further through this dark corridor and then this very special door that has to be opened with a chain hoist, which was pretty fucking awesome and creepy. Nice. We see these very ancient, very huge timber-built staircases that lead them down through this further dark passageway into what I'm assuming is some form of a ritual chamber. Um, Based on the looks of it and the occult activity that i myself have never been a part of i'm sure that that chamber is for the blackest most foul magic imaginable
1: oh yeah 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 it's uh it's probably where bill cosby keeps his drinks
2: no 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 this is where you make sure that you raise the the dark ones or the ancient ones or whatever it is that you're trying to pay homage to and obey so that they can take over the world again that's where you that's where this is what that ritual chamber is for Oh, Donald Trump. I got you. Okay, so I am completely in love at this point as they start to perform the ritual for the woman that I've later found out. Her name is Kathy Mershon. And I haven't seen her in too much other stuff. She was in like an Elvis movie. That was pretty much it that I recognized her from or that I knew that she was in from obsessively pausing the movie and going through her IMDb and then you know Google searching her her name to find images of her to see what she looks like outside of this gothy-looking makeup. (laughs) True story. Kind of the same. They just accented her features with the makeup, which which is pretty awesome.
1: Nice. Yeah.
2: All right. So as they're performing this ritual, the very pissed off Ezra leads a group of bigoted villagers who just can't let a man practice his religion in peace. Let's face it. That's what it comes down to. They don't want him to have religious freedom.
1: Well, I I don't know if that's the whole case. (laughs) That's what these rituals
2: are. That's his religion. That's his faith. That's what he's trying to practice.
1: Yeah, but his religion
2: hurts people. All religions hurt people. So should no religion oh be my able God. to be practiced? Why,
1: why, why did I just walk right into that? <laughs>
2: mother fuck? Dying from my own super flu and I still get one up on you with logic bombs.
1: I know, I, uh, why did I have to say anything? <laughs>
2: That's what you get for trying to argue with me. Even when I'm sick, I'm on my game, bud. Just keep going, you piece of fucking garbage. Alright, so as Kerwin completes the chant from the book of movie magic, which it sounds an awful lot like Latin, I couldn't make it all out, but we definitely see that he's got a Necronomicon which automatically sends off all those chills up and down your spine where you're like, holy fuck Necronomicon, 1963
1: awesome. Yeah, that's really fucking cool He opens up a, I'm just gonna
2: call it a grate that sits over top of a pit because it's like a mesh, uh, very huge, thick, uh, barred grate that sits on top of the pit. He pulls that up and we then see green light coming from below and this elicits a horrible scream from the young woman in the chains as we then cut to see the bigots with torches Arriving at the power They're not bigots. <laughs> they won't let him practice his religion. We've been through this. His religion is
1: sacrificing
2: people. All, religions no, not
1: people. all religions sacrifice people. Shut the fuck up. Read your Old Testament, dude. Oh my God! Not anymore. They don't. Ah, <laughs> uh,
2: but this is an ancient religion from when they did. So still bigots. Well,
1: they're still not bigots. <laughs>
2: Alright, so they arrive with torches The bigots, that is <laughs> At the palatial Kerwin estate Demanding that he open the door And that leads us to our next clip oh, Open the door! Open the door. Irwin.
5: Irwin. Well, where is she? Who? You know who the Fitch girl
0: Do you deny she's here? Certainly not She visits us frequently Don't you, Miss Fitch? don't you yes of your own free will yes there now Mr. Wheaton if you just a moment what's your name girl really this is outrageous What? your name child
5: you see he's taken her mind her soul the good lord knows what else just like the others but what do we do about it let him go on with this black magic or send him back to the hell he came from yeah. and listen to me about it girl. no not the woman leave her be She's been hexed. It'll be right
0: with us again when he's gone, Hester, you'll see.
5: Hester, have
0: you anything to say, Warlock? Only this, as surely as the village of Arkham has risen up against me, so shall I rise from the dead against the village of Arkham. Each one of you, Ezra Whedon, Micah Smith, Benjamin West, Priam Willett, Gideon Leech, all of you and your children and your children's children shall have just cause to regret the actions of this night. For from this night onward, you shall bear
2: my curse. Burn the devil! Burn him! All right, so this whole thing actually comes down to Ezra is super jealous of Kerwin because the lovely Hester, played by Kathy Merchant, loved Kerwin instead of him. She likes the evil, she likes the power, and let's face it, she likes the smell of Kerwin's candy, and she's not into the smell of Ezra's candy.
1: Ooh, mm, going off some aroma-based aroma, aroma based, uh, uh... Uh fuckery there.
2: Aroma based romance. It's a thing. Yeah, it's a thing. It's a thing. Thanks, Dave. Thank you, David. All right. So I have a real problem with this. They're essentially burning a man at the stake because a woman doesn't like the other dude. That's essentially what's going on here.
1: Well, also that one of the dudes is also sacrificing people.
2: Yeah, but the girl's alive. Whatever happened in the ritual in the pit, she's still alive. He didn't actually sacrifice her. She's good. She's happy. She answers some questions. She she went through some heavy shit, though. Yeah, but we all do. What's it matter? Oh my God, God, come on. (laughs) All right, so it's still the biggest dick move in the world just to burn a man alive because he's not there to try and stop Kerwin. He's there because he's jealous of Hester, at least Ezra. The rest of the... I'll agree with that. Yeah, he's demagoguing the rest of the town and working up on their fear I mean, let's face it, in this scenario, Ezra is a Donald Trump. He's working on their fear and their fury and their terror of what fucking Kerwin is doing, and he's using that as an excuse and a way to get rid of Kerwin so that he can be with Hester. He even says so in the fucking clip. Yeah. What'd you think of the burning sequence there? Was that pretty believable for you, or did the flame bar make it too obvious?
1: Uh, it was a little obvious looking at it now, but for back then, I thought that was really good. That's what I tend to do when I'm watching like a movie from... 1963 is I kind of put myself in that time, and I would have been like, Well, that would have been a great effect for 1963.
2: I still am a fan of flame bars as opposed to CGI fire over top of somebody.
1: Fire, or I think fire. I, I, I'm a fan of real fire over, you know, not. Yeah, I, th-
2: I think uh, fire, blood, and water are effects that are really hard to do with CGI and even uh with uh with models, water particularly or any kind of liquid is really hard to do convincing with uh with yeah. model work.
1: I, I agree because it's one of the things that takes me out of the Walking Dead now the show is watching like uh, the CGI blood deal you sometimes. It's just like uh, It all sucks. Well,
2: after this, where Kerwin is burnt at the stake, we see a placard sign that is telling us that it is exactly 110 years later in Arkham. Holy shit, movie. That's how you do it. You give us a nice rounded number that we know what happened.
1: Yep, 110 years
2: later. It's all done. Nice wrapped up package. We know it's been exactly 110 years. It's divisible by two and five. I'm happy. Me too. And that leads us to our next clip.
0: And travelers now within that valley... Through the red-litten windows see vast forms that move fantastically to a discordant melody. There you are. Careful. Thank you, oh, thank you Mr. Carmody. It was a, a most enjoyable trip. I... It is an orphan. Get passengers for... Oh, begging your pardon, sir. Did you say you were going to be staying here long? Why do you ask? Well, Arkham is an evil place. The village is cursed.
6: But Mr. Carmody, don't tell us you're superstitious.
0: Not at all. And I'm not a coward either. But you couldn't pay me to spend a night in this place. Why not, Mr. Carmody? Ghosts, spirits? <laughs> well, perhaps. Uh, I'm sorry, sir, but we don't happen to believe in the supernatural. And I don't think you do, wife. Goodbye. Goodbye, sir. Goodbye. And good luck. Well, it looks cursed. I'll give it that. Where are the people?
6: I can't imagine. <gasps> Look, the burning man. Isn't that quaint?
0: Yes, very quaint.
6: Well, it is. Now, where else would you find a tavern with a name like
0: that? We were trying to find a certain house here in town, and we thought perhaps you could help us. Whose house is it?
6: Ours. Uh, I know that sounds silly. It
0: belonged to the Kerwin family. We inherited it. Kerwin, you say? Yes, that's right. I don't know of any such house. All right. Thank you anyway. Just a minute. Why do you want to know about the Kerwin place? because it belongs to us. Your name is Kerwin? No, our name is Ward. Then? Joseph Kerwin was my great-great-grandfather. Well, can you tell us where the house is? I can, but I won't. That's what I like about you, New Englanders. You're so friendly. Come in, we'll find Mr. it Mr. Awesome. Ward, don't go there. It isn't a house, it's a madman's palace,
5: as old as sin.
6: Palace? In America?
5: Brought over stone by stone. Brought over from where? Europe somewhere. No one knows. No one wants to know. If you value your lives, don't go there. Why not? What Edgar, Mr.
0: Whedon, means is the place is a ruin. It has been occupied in over a hundred years
6: is that what you mean mr wheaton what a strange man
0: yes he has had a bit but what he says is right mr ward mrs ward please do yourself a kindness Go back to wherever you came from and forget you ever heard about Arkham. And what do you recommend I do with the deed? Just tear it up? Yes. Just tear up the deed to a palace I've inherited and forget all about it without so much as laying eyes on the property. Is that your advice? It's more than advice, Mr. Ward. Oh, come on man.
4: Mr. Ward, take the road out of town about a quarter of a mile. At the post road, turn left past the cemetery. You shouldn't have too much difficulty finding. Here, I'll show you. There's the Cohen Palace over there on the cliff.
6: Well, we certainly want to thank you for being so nice, Mr.
4: Willett, I'm a doctor. My office is down the street in case you need
0: me. I don't think we'll be staying very long, doctor. Oh, you've decided that already? Seems to have been decided for us. Thank you, anyway. Come in. What do you think? It's him right enough, the devil himself. Nonsense. And you helped
5: him. As I'd help any stranger. He's no stranger, doctor. Willard, and you know it. I don't know anything of the kind, and neither do you. Are you blind, or do you tell me you've never seen that face before? Well,
4: I'll admit there's a strong resemblance. But that's a matter of
5: heredity, not magic. Call it what you will. One thing is certain. Joseph Kerwin has come back to Arkham.
6: Why did you say that? What? That we wouldn't be staying long.
0: Well, do you want to stay in a town full of fools like that?
6: I don't think Dr. Willard was a fool.
0: All right, so Dr. Willard wasn't a fool.
2: All right, so after this, the wards, which would be Charles, Dexter, and Anne, are walking to their new home, and the townspeople are not very inviting and are pretty
1: mean to them. Yeah, they, they don't like them being around. Uh, They won't help them find their castle or their palace.
2: Yeah, well, it's because, you know, it's like haunted and stuff. Yeah.
1: There is that whole living
2: under the shadow of a curse for exactly 110 years. That's true. That That's bound to make any townsfolk bitter. <laughs> I love the part where Charles is walking with her, and he actually... Actually makes light of their unpleasant encounter where he just starts joking around and then this is all quashed when they see the little yeah. girl that has no eyes and gnarly skin flaps that grew over top of it
1: yeah that was gross
2: i felt bad for that little girl but then i remembered oh, that, yeah then i remembered that her dad burned a man alive or great-grandfather or whatever and i realized well that's what you get don't don't fuck with a witch or a warlock
1: well i mean though you, can, you still can feel bad for her she didn't burn guy at the stake <laughs>
2: Right. But I mean, you know, it's a constant reminder of what they did. Vengeance isn't always fair or balanced. It's just well, revenge. And,
1: I, and that I, I'm not even disagreeing with you. I'm just saying you can still feel bad for him. And I do. And that makeup
2: is haunting still. Uh, that's one of the best makeups that has held up is the eye flap, the skin flap things. They're really gnarly. And you just feel like their eyes got burned out and that was the flesh that was left behind or something. Yeah. All right. So they arrive at the home as Charles undoes. What I have in my notes is a cartoonishly huge lock to open the door bolt that is definitely bigger than your arms, Matt. <laughs> Yes, definitely. Almost as big as my gut. <laughs> wow, that's a big bolt. Yeah, right? Thankfully, it's not as big as my gut, or he would have never been able to undo it. <laughs> All right, so the couple make their entry into the very creepy, dust-covered main chamber of the home to wander around, essentially marveling at the vast home that they now own. This place looks like a fucking TARDIS for haunted houses. It's way too big on the inside for how big it looks on the outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's The proportions aren't quite right. <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't matter because magic, Matt. Magic. Full on mag- movie magic. Well, Anne notices the portrait of Kerwin and that it looks just like Charles, and then comments on it as being absolutely fantastic. And the box set that you got from Scream Factory or that you could have bought from Scream Factory. I think it's out of print now or at least it's really rare and hard to get your hands on. The original cover of this particular Vincent Price collection one had that painting of Vincent Price on it. Oh, nice. Or at least a recreation of it that another artist did. It's pretty fucking awesome, actually. It is. It's really cool. This portrait clearly vexes Charles who attempts a brave face for his wife but you can tell right away something is not right in Charles the minute he looks at that painting something
1: isn't kosher
2: in Denmark (laughs) while poking around the kitchen we get essentially what should be a lame cat scare jump but they use a boa constrictor this time instead that was interesting (laughs) that's 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 actually lame No,
1: like... That's a that's a pretty good scare.
2: <laughs> I kind of feel like a snake would go in there to try and stay warm in that drafty old house. Although, how a boa constrictor is surviving in New England is beyond me. Doesn't matter.
1: Yeah, I know. I love these New Englanders. They're so full of warmth.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's the line that he delivers. That's fucking great. Yeah. Well, after it scares his wife, Charles makes sure that the snake... Cleaves his wife alone. Oh God, Jesus!
1: <laughs> really? Yeah, I had to go what there. The fuck up! Uh, oh my God! All right, so after let's go back to talking about the villagers being bigots. <laughs> I'll agree with you on that. If you don't make that pun again. <laughs> So I just should cleave it be? Yo, come on!
2: (laughs) All right, so he leads her out of the kitchen after chopping up the snake with the meat cleaver and points out that the direction that they are actually heading, that there's nothing that way. There's nothing going on there or that they won't lead anywhere. Yeah. And his wife is more than frightened and wants to know how in the hell he knew that there was nothing in that direction. And then Charles plays it off as a guest as they walk up another set of extremely unsafe stairs. They kind of roll around and then go up at a very steep incline. This place doesn't pass OSHA. There's no railing, there's no chains to help you get up the staircase, and it looks like they're nice and steep, so people with bad knees, aka the guys who do this podcast, are not going to be very happy about that.
1: You know, I didn't even see one ramp for wheelchair access. Just saying.
2: <laughs> yeah, I know. They do have a ramp for coffin access, though, but that's a whole different story. It's, it's a different kind of ramp. <laughs> yeah. That's an on-ramp, baby. Because once you get on that, you
1: ain't getting off. Well, you are, but you know. Well, you might get off on that.
2: (laughs) All right, so they end up in a darkened bedroom. Ward then states he will let some light in here. He opens a curtain, and we get another jump scare using an extremely haggard-looking Lon Chaney Jr. Man, I think the alcoholism was starting to get to him by the 60s even. I know they put makeup on him. Because
1: I like alcohol. (laughs) Are you
2: telling me that's bad? Well, if you bleached his hair out blonde, Lon Jr. in this movie pretty much looks like you on a daily basis. Oh, yeah, pretty much. I, I disagree. And that actually leads to our next clip. Good evening. Who are you? My name is Simon. What are you
5: doing here? I'm the caretaker. I was preparing your room. In the dark? One becomes accustomed to the
0: darkness here. I'm sorry, Mrs. Ward, if I startled you, but I didn't know you'd be here so soon. Oh, just a minute. How is it you expected us at all? Why, your attorney, Mr. Hutchinson, contacted me.
5: Since then, I've been preparing the palace for your arrival. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'll go fetch your bags.
6: No, no, that won't be necessary. We're not staying. But
5: where would you spend the night? After
0: all, Mr. Ward, this is your home. Get the bags. Very right. Well, dinner will be served today if that's convenient thank you
6: charles you don't really want to spend the night
0: no no of course not but the old fellow was right we have to spend the night someplace don't we
2: After this, we see the descendant of Ezra, Edgar. Not very inventive names. They all start with E, but whatever. (laughs) He is yelling at a door that looks like it's up in the attic of the home, and the door sounds as though it is holding back not only beastly growls but some type of let's just say malformed being bashing against it. Yeah, it seems like it has logic and reasoning like a human, but it really doesn't act like a human either. It seems kind of beast-like, but a little more intelligent than your average beast
1: yeah um so yeah i agree it's almost like uh maybe it's instead of just feral maybe it's insane because there's still thought there right and he's telling this thing to be quiet because obviously he's trying
2: to hide his shame which yeah really kind of tells you everything you need to know about the descendants of ezra they're all assholes uh, all of them dicks he asks if it wants food and that's why it's making noise. He then goes to hand meat through the bars and he gets his hand grabbed a hold of by two, I wrote him in my notes as malformed lizard-like hands with claws. I don't know what else to refer to him as. That's kind of what they look like to me.
1: That's better than I would have thought of, so.
2: Well, they grab his hand, both of these claws, and they start trying to pull his hand in and it almost seems like this thing wants to hurt him or eat his hand too. Yeah. He uses the candle that he had lit to actually burn the fucking hands of these like lizard-like claws to break free. That's how you teach freaks. That was pretty fucking hardcore.
1: Yeah, so I
2: teach them, and that's also going to lead to our next clip.
6: What's wrong with him tonight?
5: Not him, woman. It. It. How many times must I tell you? It knows. That's what's wrong. It knows who's come back to Arkham.
2: We then see Ward light a fire and stare hauntingly at the portrait of his ancestor, Kerwin, before lighting a cigar and then doing, I don't know how else to refer to this. He does a 360 turn. At the start of the 360, he's Charles. By the end of the 360, he's all back around again, full-on possession, and he is now Kerwin. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah that's accurate it looks as though Lon Chaney Jr.'s character is apprehensively viewing this happening and then we see the following morning Anne is all packed up and ready to leave that's a good decision yeah always a good decision in a haunted palace just to go yeah get the fuck out and then she asks her husband if he is ready to leave as well and that leads to our next clip I've decided to stay
0: what? just long enough to fix the place up with a little work it could bring a good price don't you think?
6: I should imagine. I don't know.
0: Well, I estimate two weeks, perhaps three, to get things started anyway. Do you mind, Dan?
6: No, not exactly. But I, I can't say it pleases me.
0: But then you go home. Charles. I'm sorry. Just that I, well, I, I can't leave now until I find out something.
2: That evening, they are walking through the town and attempt to enter the tavern but find that it is bolted shut and there is no access. They see the little girl with no eyes and the skin flaps and then another malformed man who looks like the people from the Eye of the Beholder episode of the Twilight Zone. You know what I'm talking about where the girl's getting plastic surgery for the perfect face. Oh, and they have the pig pig noses. Yeah, that guy the second guy that they show looks an awful lot like them. The way that his face was kind of malformed and everything. Yes. It soon becomes apparent that the town is stricken with some type of deformities that are varying across all of them. And the people who have these deformities are slowly lurching at the helpless wards in another trance-like state that is broken by the sound of a bell that tolls twice. Once the bell rings twice, they do an about face and just walk away. They just lurch away again. That was creepy as fuck. Good for them. It's yeah. good. They, they, they may be deformed, but they're active. <laughs> they're getting out they're not ashamed to show their faces
1: oh i've got some fresh (laughs) hair
2: yeah it was fucking creepy though the way they just lurched at them very
1: slowly it's vincent price what isn't creepy
2: (laughs) yeah and that leads us to our next clip nightmarish yes but not
4: a nightmare they're quite real i'm sorry to say
6: but what are they doctor
4: Human beings, very unfortunate human beings. They were born mutated. You see, Mrs. Ward, it requires an extraordinary combination of elements to form a normal person. In their case, the combination was wrong. They were gathered by Whedon, of course, for the purpose of frightening you away.
0: But why, Doctor? Why should we be treated as though we
4: had the, the plague? Because you do, For these people at any rate. Understand, Mr. Ward, Arkham is a strange community. You see, it's haunted. Well, not by ghosts, but haunted nonetheless. By fear, and by guilt, and by the memory of a particular night. A particular night. But what is this to do with us? Well, you see, 150 years ago, a man named Joseph Kerwin moved to this village and uh, built this palace. His first wife died in childbirth, so he selected the most beautiful woman in the village and took her for his mistress. Unfortunately, she was engaged to marry an Archimite named Ezra Whedon. You uh, spoke with his descendant yesterday.
6: Oh, the man at the inn?
4: Yes. Well, according to legend, a number of strange things occurred when Kerwin moved into the village. Terrible noises were heard in the night. Young girls were said to have disappeared from their homes, to be gone until dawn and then reappear with uh, no memory of their whereabouts. Whedon wasted no time in placing the blame directly on this doorstep. He and his coterie of friends claimed that Kerwin was a warlock. Warlock? Yes, one who conjures up the dead. They demanded punishment, and one night the people of the village marched on this palace,
0: dragged your ancestor into the yard, and burned him. Burned him. Burning man. Well, that explains the guilt. What about the
4: fear? Kerwin put a curse on the village. He vowed that he'd return. You can see the resemblance
0: yourself. Dr. Willard, I'm sure that every warlock or witch who died in America left a curse. Why should Kerwin's be taken so seriously? Why should it be remembered after all these years? I can't say. He was a strange man. There were terrible rumors about him. Such as? It was
4: thought, Mr. Ward, that he had gained possession of a book called the Necronomicon. Have you heard of it? No. Well it obviously Never existed Except in the minds Of the superstitious But they claimed It held enough secrets To give a man Absolute power Of course Every mythology Has such a book But the Necronomicon Supposedly contained Formulas Through which One could communicate With or even Summon the elder gods The dark ones From beyond Who had once Ruled the world And now are merely Waiting for an opportunity To regain that control Thulu Yog Sothoth. Dreadful rubbish I know Still the people Of Arkham Believed it They claimed That Joseph Kerwin and two other warlocks were trying to open the gates to these dark gods. Open the gates? How? They claimed that Joseph Kerwin was trying to mate those beings with humans to create a new race through which the gods could regain the control. That's how they explained the mutated births. Unsuccessful experiments passed on from generation to generation carried in the
0: blood. What's your explanation, Doctor?
4: I don't have one. I advise you, Mr. Ward, to leave this village. I advise you to flee it as you would from a madman with a knife who feels compelled to destroy you before you can destroy him.
2: After this, we see the Wards sleeping on a stormy night as the sound of the thrashing windows awakens Charles. There's a really serious wind that just blows the doors to their bedroom open all the time. Yeah. I think they would secure that better or put a better lock in there or something.
1: Something, man. I mean, that palace has to have tools. Come on, guys. Have some, you know, respect for your surroundings. And what good is a caretaker if you can't keep
2: a window latched in your main bedroom?
1: I don't, listen, caretaker, all you have to do is be drunk most of the time and fix things. That's it. Occasionally make dinner. Yeah. Maybe say creepy things on occasion.
2: Well, this awakens Charles as the window basically get pushed open by the storm he then hears a cacophony of voices in the storm when he walks outside to the ledge some beautiful fucking matte paintings and stuff in this yeah he heads out of the bedroom and through the hall down the dangerous stairs once again osha would have a field day with this
1: oh yeah oh yeah i mean once again man hey d- when you're getting a home don't you have someone check it out like when you bought your home didn't like didn't you have an appraiser come check it
2: out well this is why home inspections happened is because of haunted palaces. Yeah. You need to know what's good and what's bad about your house.
1: Exactly. I bet that place has so many roaches. They're never going to get you're never going to get rid of them. And not just regular roaches, but they have ghost roaches, like haunting oh, roaches. Oh my god. The worst is ghost roaches. The worst. <laughs>
2: I kind of want to see what that looks like now. So, Darren, get on that. That would be awesome.
1: Do you know how expensive ghost roach repellent
2: is? It's terribly expensive. And it's completely useless because ghosts aren't real. I need to start selling that. Uh Uh-huh.
1: Somebody will buy it.
2: Especially if I just say it's homeopathic.
1: No. Also, uh, not just homeopathic. uh, Tell people it helps them not to be vaccinated.
2: (laughs) All right. So, he heads out the front door after walking down those dangerous stairs. And he walks out of the palace. And he ends up walking right to the place where Kerwin was burnt right up to the same tree which is still standing and is still charred as fuck all the while he's still hearing these voices and I think that they're supposed to be the voices of the bigots who burned Kerwin alive
1: that is probably true
2: he is then jump scared by Lon Chaney Jr who is your go-to jump scare guy in this movie because he does it so fucking well (laughs) the character then offers him his coat and that leads to our next clip you seem troubled sir
0: is something wrong? You didn't hear them? Thank your pardon. The voices? The peep? Well, no, sir. It must have been the wind. Perhaps you should ask Mr. Kerwin. Kerwin? Yes. Maybe he could tell you. Welcome, Joseph. Simon. How long? One hundred and ten years. One hundred and ten years. And whose body is this I am now occupying? His name is Charles Dexter Ward. My great-great-grandson. Perfect. All the others were useless. You would not accept them. No matter. Where's Jabez? Here, Joseph. Jabez, my old friend. Well, we three gather again. But briefly, I fear I, I, I shan't be able to hold him much longer. He, he fights me. Well, when will you have full control? Soon, Simon, soon. Keep him here for a while longer, and he will be all mine. He has my blood. I can feel it. Uh, the book. The book. Good, good. Now leave me, my friends. He fights me. He fights to leave me.
6: Huh? What is it, Charles? What's the matter? Dear, what are you doing down here?
0: I don't know, Anne. I must have walked in my sleep.
6: Please, dear, let's leave here now tonight.
0: I want to, Anne, but I can't.
6: Why not? Charles, why not?
2: We see Kerwin digging up a grave and then cut from that to Elijah Cook Jr. telling us Kerwin slash Ward has been up there for an entire week. And then they start speculating that he is getting ready for some evil work in our next clip. Willard, I thought you said he'd be gone.
4: I thought he would be, but you made him feel so welcome. He's probably decided to stay for good.
5: Go on, sneer. You can afford you. You have no half-witted thing locked in your attic. And no woman to worry about either. Whedon, I've got this whole town to worry about. The man you fear is dead.
4: Can't you fools get that through your heads? He died over a hundred years ago. He can't harm you or your women. Well, don't you forget, Doctor, that the man who died over a hundred years ago, he did
5: this. And now he's back with us again. I mean, he'll, he'll be doing more. Unless we stop him.
2: After this, Kerwin and his associates, servants, whatever you want to call them, there's a pair of them, end up carrying a coffin through a secret passageway. But before Kerwin can enter, Mrs. Ward calls for her husband, Charles. So Kerwin turns around and gets snippy with his wife, or at least with Ward's wife, who realizes something is wrong with Charles and that Charles is not quite who he seems to be. Really? What was your first clue? (laughs) She wants him to let her call the doctor, which is a pretty reasonable thing to ask for. Yeah, He refuses, and then in a very dark and ominous way, says that he will call personally upon the doctor in a week or so. That doesn't sound nefarious. No, not at all. He then sends her back to bed, and she asks what he will be doing. He then tells her in a very dominating voice, it is none of your business, woman. It's none of your concern.
1: Oh, that's terrible.
2: This is back in the day when you could get away with treating your wife like less than a human being. I guess. Terrible days. And then he sends her off with a very snide good night as in I said good day sir is how he kind of says it (laughs) I said good day she caves and Charles comes to enough to say Anne's name and that leads to our next clip Charles Dexter Ward leave me
0: alone leave me alone I will never leave you alone your blood is my blood your mind is my mind your body my body it will do you no good to resist me your efforts grow weaker every day no no you cannot keep me out my will is too strong too strong for you too strong for you why are you spying on me
6: i heard voices tomorrow
0: you must leave now is that understood now go to your bed you lost him for a time he has a strong will stronger than we thought but you did well he has the curwen strain
2: After this, Anne is disturbed by the wind and nearly blown away when she steps outside in the wind's You can actually see her like she almost gets picked up like it was a tornado or a twister just picking her right up off the balcony.
1: It's a twister. It's a twister.
2: Yeah, I thought she was going to become Dorothy and just get whisked away to another movie on us or something. (laughs) The first time I saw this, I actually thought that that was like Erwin getting rid of Dexter's wife to just get her out of the way. He was just going to like blow her out over top of the canyon using the winds and kill her. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) You know, maybe he tried and maybe she just got back in just in time because it looked like she almost died there yeah that looked bad she crawls back into the bedroom and she puts on an old-fashioned robe and heads down to the main chamber of the home once again down those very dangerous stairs
1: don't get put a hand railing up or something
2: and then wanders into one of the passageways that goes off to the side of the house I think that might have been the direction that Charles specifically said that that leads nowhere uh that she heads out I'm not really sure but while she's walking through this dark dimly lit passageway that's filled with dust and cobwebs and makes my sinuses and lungs go crazy because I can barely breathe as is, Yeah, we hear her calling out Charles' name over and over again. She opens up a pair of old doors to wander into a passageway that closes with a wall. And at one point she looks down and then they cut to a stock shot of a tarantula, which was nice and creepy.
1: Oh yeah. That was a, uh, if you have arachnophobia, that might not have been the scene for you. She turns around
2: and looks down the long, dimly lit corridor and sees a very silly silhouetted frame of a man who is very clearly lon cheney jr there's no hiding who it is she keeps calling out charles name because she's terrified and that's what she only knows what to do and asks that you is that you and then as soon as he says hello to her and says that he was not trying to scare her or that she made him think that there were prowlers in this passageway she immediately faints yeah he scoops her up and they fade to our next clip it was his wife where is she now in her room
0: did you lock it Yes. yes Stupid woman, she doesn't know what it is to love. Omnes potestates tenebrae mulieri vita meteernum date. Viva. Viva. Charles! Joseph, it has been too long. Yeah. Now we will continue trying. Yes, Joseph. As you say. We'll continue trying. Simon. Simon, help me upstairs. Quickly. Why, yes, sure. Quickly,
5: quickly,
6: quickly. Quickly. Charles. Charles, I've been so. Oh, Anne! Anne, hey, what is it? What's happened? To
0: I don't know. It's this house. I think I must be going out of my mind. I... And where have I been tonight? Don't
6: you remember?
0: No, no I'm so confused. And we've got to get out of here before it's too late. Yes, Dave. Tomorrow morning tomorrow morning. Yes, we will. Well, Mr. Ward. Yes? Leaving so soon? That's right. Any objections? Why, well, certainly not, sir, but Well? I, well, uh, you see, I can make no plans until I know what you want to do with the palace. We're selling it. Oh, I see. Well, sir, uh, could you issue a check for the week's expenses? All right, how much? Uh, I'll get the receipt. No, that won't be necessary. How much? We're in a hurry. It'll only take a moment, sir. You go out to the coach. I'll, I'll join you in a minute. Mrs. Ward.
6: Doctor, you. you almost missed us. We were just leaving. Oh,
4: a very wise decision particularly under the circumstances.
6: What do you mean? if something happened.
4: I'm afraid so. In fact, I was on my way to warn you. But it doesn't matter now.
6: Doctor, please, I'd like to know.
4: There was a rather ugly occurrence last night. In Arkland? In the cemetery. A grave was dug up and a body stolen. Nobody knows who did it, but the people, as you might well imagine, are blaming it on your husband. Why? The grave that was opened was that of Hester Tillinghast, Joseph Kerwin's mistress.
6: And... They think Charles... Oh, what's wrong with those people?
0: They're stupid to the marrow of their bones. You know who robbed that grave, don't you, Doctor? No. They did. They? Whedon and his dirty little friends. Why would they do that? Why? Well, isn't it obvious? To frighten me. To drive me away from my home. Possibility. But you don't think I did it, do you, Doctor? No, but it's a good thing you're leaving all the same. But I'm not leaving.
6: Charles, you promised.
0: You can go back to that village, doctor. You can go back and tell those people that Charles Dexter Ward has decided to stay.
6: Charles. How long has
0: he been like this?
6: It started the first night. Just for a little while, and then he was himself again. But it kept happening.
4: What kept happening?
6: This, uh, this change. I'm so afraid. I've never seen him like this.
4: Mrs. Ward. Mrs. Ward. I want you to tell me exactly what has happened since your arrival in Arkham. I have him
0: now. Are you sure? Charles Dexter Ward is dead. Then we can begin our work. Not quite yet. There are a few little things I must do first. Oh, Joseph, can't you forget what happened? Forget? Forget that my flesh was burned from my bones while I was yet alive? No. No, this village will pay for its crime just as I vowed. But the work? The work? There can be no work without my knowledge. You've waited 110 years can wait a bit longer
4: i'm not an alienist mrs ward but there can be little doubt as to what's happening your husband is reacting to the legend of his ancestor the attitude of the village remarkable resemblance between him and the figure in the portrait the atmosphere of the castle we're all working together to cause this aberration
6: and I, i've got to find a way to help
4: him you're not going back in there
6: yes what else can i do leave him?
4: i would advise it but then of course you can't No. promise me one thing mrs ward that you'll contact me if things get
0: out of hand
6: yes i will doctor
0: Thank you. Why have you returned?
6: Because you need me.
0: Perhaps you're right. Come here where I can see you. Do you love me? Yes. Then kiss me. Why do you hesitate? I... Surely a husband has certain rights. I demand that you kiss me. Oh, oh, what delights we'll share,
2: we two. What tender, intimate delights. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So during the ritual, Hester is temporarily resurrected, but looks nasty and no, not still kind of rotten and not really looking like the very beautiful Kathy Merchant should. And then Anne awakens screaming, as we heard in the clip, she yells out Charles' name and then Charles wrestles back control from Kerwin for a brief moment and that ends the ritual. And then for only a few hours before he is then tricked once again by Lon Chaney Jr.'s character to stay put and have a new possession take him over once again that was pretty crafty how he's like wait here i'll get you a receipt or i'll i'll you know just just hold here for a moment and then boom the the possession happens again yeah ha ha the doc then arrives after this to tell us about the very sexy grave robbing that happened the other night the very sexy grave robbing (laughs) is there any other type of grave robbing i mean well monetarily uh, (laughs) you okay you're all right over there (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm good. I mean I'm a little sick. I'm a little feverish, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah. Maybe you just not knowing what you're speaking of. All I'm
2: saying is you can mix business with pleasure when you're robbing a grave.
1: Uh, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> Yeah.
2: (laughs) The town folk are drinking and discussing what digging happened. And if Kerwin's lackeys are still around from back in the day, because apparently they may not have died. They're not sure, but they know that he had two people that worked with him. There is yet more talk about burning Charles just to make sure because they clearly have not learned from what their ancestors did. And they're trying to get some type of retribution for what Kerwin did to the town. And Edgar starts acting like the local town demagogue proving that it may be hereditary that you're an asshole. Yeah, right. So Edgar starts acting as the local town demagogue, demanding they burn the ward and make Charles pay for it. Oh my god. <laughs> nice this is what happens when you write notes with a fever yeah right (laughs) you're hallucinating let's do this i had two or three pages where i just wrote the lyrics out to you give me fever for some reason really it's gold baby (laughs) gold we then see edgar leaves the pub and we see someone release the quote-unquote creature as edgar being drunk as shit is walking home from the pub and we see that the locked door is let go we know who it is we're not being fooled here movie we know what's up
1: yeah Yeah, we know. Edgar is
2: drunkenly staggering home. There's a couple of times where the actor does a really good drunk stumble. He almost took it just a little too far where he started swearing at the bush for getting in his way, but it was just... Perfect. Yes, quote-unquote acting. Well, it was the 60s. He may have actually been drunk, and who knows? Maybe he was a method actor. Yeah, right. Edgar drunkenly stumbles into his home as his deformed child, as far as we can tell, sneaks down the stairs. Drunk Edgar tends to his fire, because you want to be warm. And then he stands over the fire and broods worse than Christopher Lambert, as he does it. <laughs> then he hears his progeny making what I assumed was some kind of weird, squishy, gross, feasting noises, and I thought maybe he was eating his mom. That would be kind of vicious.
1: Yeah, although that guy can brood like a motherfucker. That's for sure.
2: <laughs> he's brooding so hard he doesn't even notice the noises until it's too late.
1: That's that's like Batman-level brooding. He looks about the room, and the thing
2: emerges from the shadows in the corner, and then the two have a scuffle and a bit of a toss-up. They both fall into the fire, and we see Kerwin with his list of names. He crosses off Ezra's name because he's going by the older names, even though it's the descendants, and we see the funeral the next day as Kerwin stops it dead with his presence. Everybody stops to stare at him and is very uncomfortable and scared. Oh, yeah. The camera then rests on a very terrified Elijah Cook Jr. and then moves over to show Kerwin. They do that like a couple times where they cut back and forth and they dissolve to Elijah Cook Jr. out walking in a very fancy looking cape and hat. He draws a pistol at the various shadows and noises that he hears around him because he knows he's next and he's terrified. He starts darting his head back and forth looking before walking past what might be an open door and we see that it is as kerwin dumps a flammable liquid of some sort from a bucket onto him and then lights him up Ooh, pretty <laughs> this removes the second name and they dissolve from that to our next clip
0: joseph have you not gorged yourself enough on revenge you do not know the extent of my appetite simon i'll not have my fill of revenge until this village is a graveyard until they have felt as i did a kiss of fire on their soft, bare flesh. All of them. Have patience, my friends. Surely after all these years, I'm entitled to a few small amusements.
6: What, what do you want?
0: What do I want? Merely to exercise my husbandly prerogative. Is there anything so strange about that?
6: Charles, please. I-
0: please? Please what, my dearest? Oh, I know. You're upset because I've neglected you, that's it, isn't it? Yeah.
2: Well I've been very
0: busy, but I'm back now. We oh, have the whole night oh, before. No.
2: <laughs> Kerwin is really fucking gross as he goes to rape Charles Dexter Ward's wife. That whole line about like, I'm allowed a few indulgences or something along those lines because, you know, he's getting revenge. Like, yeah, what did Anne ever do to him? This is him just being cruel for the sake of being cruel. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think he's trying to gaslight her so that he can basically convince everybody that she's crazy and that there's nothing wrong with him.
1: Oh, definitely. The devious bastard. Very luckily,
2: Anne narrowly fights him off, and then he gets upset whenever she hits him or fights back. Clearly, Kerwin is not used to somebody fighting back against him, and this is completely fucking horrible, but at least it doesn't go any further, and Anne is saved from having to endure full-on sexual assault, but it's still very clearly a very traumatic event to have the man who supposedly loved her and took care of her do this horrible thing to poor Anne. Yeah. it was pretty uncomfortable to watch, and I know they put that there there. Is. they put it in there for salacious exploitation back in the day yeah probably they dissolve from this to Kerwin attempts again to resurrect hester and i just want to see kathy merchant back to the way she was at the beginning of the film damn it <laughs> come on movie be a pal be a buddy <laughs> as the doc arrives at the house to talk to Anne, in our next clip
6: Oh, Doctor, thank God you've come.
2: Why? What's happened?
6: I don't know. I, I don't know something terrible. Well, where is he? I...
4: Look, Mrs. Ward, you must calm yourself. Then you must tell me everything, sparing no detail. Your life and your husband's may depend upon it.
6: Yes, Doctor. Well, well, we were up in the bedroom a short time ago, and, and then all of a sudden he... Doctor, you've got to help me get him out of here. This place, it's killing him. Joseph Kerwin, he's killing him. Look at him. Filthy, horrible old man. I hate him. I hate him, I hate him, I hate him, I hate him. him. Mrs. Ward. I'm sorry, Doctor. It was a stupid thing
0: to do. Yes, it was. How are you, Doctor? Excellent, thank you. Glad to hear it. This is a pleasant surprise. What brings you here? Nothing in particular. Oh, just looking in, eh? That's right. Do you mind? mine? Oh, on the contrary, I'm delighted. And so is my wife, aren't you, man? Here, a uh, little glass of wine will make you feel better. I don't want any. The doctor and I are going to have a little chat. So, you will just stay here and rest, eh? There you are. Come, doctor. She sent for you, of course. No, as I was explaining. There's explained. no need to lie, doctor. In a way, I'm glad I've been terribly upset about her. This house has a strange effect on it. How do you mean? Well, you saw how she acted a moment ago, that sort of thing. Fits of depression, anger, hallucinations. I hoped it would pass, but she gets worse every day. I see. I suppose she told you how. How I've begun to change? Yes. Mm. Part of the pattern. I scarcely recognize her anymore, Doctor. My own wife. What do you want me to do? Take her back to Boston. Get her out of this house. Why don't you? She wouldn't permit it. She fears me. Can't you understand? Yes, I think I can. Then you will help. I shall try. Thank you. I appreciate it. But remember, discretion. She mustn't guess that you know the truth. Well, my dear, I have a surprise for you. You won't have to stay in this place any longer. The good doctor is going to take care of you.
6: Dr. Willett?
0: Yes, it's all arranged. He will see you to Boston. Isn't that right? Yes.
6: Doctor, you don't understand.
0: Come along, Mrs. Ward.
6: No, I won't go.
0: Please, Mrs. Ward. All right, You needn't bother to pack, my dear. I'll send you things along. Goodbye, Doctor. Goodbye, my dear. We'll be together again soon. I promise.
2: With that, Anne is whisked away by the doctor, and Kerwin enters the secret passageway once again. That is not a euphemism. It's just a hole in the wall. Well, no, that also sounds like a euphemism. Uh, I don't... I'm, I'm stuck in a bunch of euphemisms here. Uh, I can't say corridor. I can't say passageway. I can't say dank or damp or, you know, open door gateway. He enters. There's just no way to get around that. Yeah,
1: there's no possible way.
2: He then updates his servants slash associates as to... Make making another attempt that they're going to resurrect his beloved hester we then see in the town that doc and Anne ward arrive to find a burnt up gideon aka elijah cook jr and we see that the burn up corpse effect is pretty fucking awesome actually i really dug that and it was pretty gross yeah. and they must have spent some time making that work
1: yeah that wasn't half bad at all that someone put a lot of work hard work into it all of the town
2: is justifiably stirred up at this point but they jump to conclusions that this burnt has to be Charles Dexter Ward and they are prepared for a good old-fashioned lynch mob riot to go get him as the doc takes away and back to the palace to try and get Charles out before it's too late. They cut from this to Kerwin attempts to resurrect his lovely Hester and is completely successful and in my notes I wrote and I am just happy to have her back on screen.
1: Yay! reunions
2: they always get me he is striking dude she is just so striking oh yeah big time Kerwin kisses her and the doc and Anne return to collect Charles that leads to our next clip Lucian you got the ropes here Elijah aye right then let's be about it yeah Mrs. Ward
6: did you find him no what what about Simon who the caretaker
4: I didn't see anyone
6: I know Charles is here
4: Was there any more to the place than we've seen? I don't know. Wait a minute. When you tried to destroy the picture, suddenly he was in the room. Did you see him come in?
6: No.
4: Neither did I.
2: The Doc and Anne look for a secret door. That's not a euphemism. They're actually trying to find where Charles went off to him has it been appearing from.
1: <laughs> Is that code? <laughs> yes.
2: The doc finds the semi-hidden trigger. I mean, really, if you're kind of looking, you can see it pretty obvious plain as day.
1: Yeah, it's kind of right there in front of your face.
2: It almost said secret door trigger. <laughs> it almost had a big arrow. And a big neon light. Yeah. Pull here. Open secret door. Yeah. But as soon as they walk in through the secret door It slams shut on them, and they are trapped inside and locked in tight. Things are getting very dire for both of them. And cozy. (laughs) Yeah. All right. (laughs) They wander off calling out Charles' full name. Repeatedly, the doc keeps saying Charles Dexter Ward, Charles Dexter Ward, before stumbling onto the door to the ritual chamber we saw earlier in the movie that opens with the lock and tackle chain. (laughs) And then they find an empty coffin after the long descent down those very gnarly, very old giant wood plank stairs. They walk to the covered pit of the ritual chamber, discovering the Necronomicon and the beast in the pit in our next clip don't
6: It's only a book. It's
2: much more than a book.
0: God. What did you see? What a pleasant surprise. Well, now that you've seen all of the palace, Dr. Willard, what do you think of it? It's quite old, you know. Older than you might imagine. Torquemada spent many a happy hour here a few centuries ago. It was old then. Mr. Ward. Well, I'll admit the furnishings do leave something to be desired, but uh, it has a lived-in quality, don't you think? After all, home is where the heart is. Isn't that so, my dear? Ward, listen to me. I'd be happy to, Doctor, but my friends grow impatient. Oh, please forgive me. May I present to Miss Hester Tillinghast, Mr. Simon Ord, and Mr. Jarvis Hutchison, I believe you know. They're my associates. You see, uh, we began a project a few years ago, but unfortunately it was, it was interrupted, and we're most anxious to take it up again. What sort of a project? The most important ever attempted of humans, Doctor Willett. More important than you can ever imagine. Therefore, I fear beyond your understanding. As a matter of fact, we don't fully understand ourselves. We obey. That is all. We obey. Simon! Come, come, I said. Esther,
6: Jebus!
0: Charles. Ciao! Ovos felices, omnes Ovos omnes principes.
2: With this, the dock is led away at knife point and is tied up in the breeding stocks. I mean, for lack of a better term, that's... yeah. yeah. That's what they're doing. That's what we're looking at. All right. That's, that's uh that's pretty gross. Um, so that's happening. That, no, that's great. That's great. It's great. We're talking tentacle impregnation or fish rape. Something really horrible is happening.
1: That creepy or gross at all. That's, no, that's fine. It's fine. It's like humanoids
2: from the deep level of gross is what's going on with that monster. Exactly. And then Kerwin starts chanting the various spell to bring the beast forth from the pit before opening the pit. And when asked what they are doing to Anne by the doctor one of the associates replies to the doc honoring her we are honoring her which is apparently code for tentacle slash fish rape as far as i understand it
1: yes you're, you're not wrong That
2: got really gross really fast, but, you know, in their religion, apparently giving birth to a hybrid of the ancient ones is a good thing, but uh, the lady should kind of have a choice. It's all about consent, even when you're mothering the beast from the pit. Yes. As the pit is opened, we see a blurry vision version of the beast. I think they made a quick sculpture that they couldn't animate, so they just did this weird optical effect over top of it to give you this otherworldly feeling and then just kind of, you know, make it quick. Yeah. And they appear to be trying to insinuate that the beast is climbing up out of the pit to get to Anne. And as that is happening, the townspeople become arsonists by immediately breaking into the home and lighting it on fire. Makes me wonder why the fucking ancestors didn't do this in the first place. You burn a man alive, but you leave the house there. Yeah, no shit, right? I guess they were more concerned about real estate and the property values of the town by having the palace burnt to a crisp overlooking the town, maybe? No, uh, something like that. The very next thing that they burn after lighting up some of the tapestries is the portrait of Kerwin, which frees Charles from the control of Kerwin. He rushes down to free Anne and gets the doc to take her away, sacrificing himself, I'm assuming, as Kerwin's associates wrestle Charles down. All of the main chamber is then becoming ablaze. This was some really amazing fire effects. They really lit shit on fire in
1: here. Yeah, a lot of good fire effects. I like it. As the doc finds
2: the other mechanism to finally open the door on the other side, he picks up the torch first, then puts it back, and then pulls on the lever or the string that opens the door. But the minute he sets the torch in place, immediately I heard, put the candle back. Put the candle back. (laughs) All right, so the doc ushers Anne out of the door as he immediately, like a fucking champ and a hero, runs back in to save Charles. Kind of like the doc here. I don't think he deserves any of the punishment that the rest of the town folk are getting. Yeah. He makes it to the pit, and the servants have left Charles there. They've completely disappeared. I don't know where they went. We then see the house starting to collapse in what I'm assuming is stock footage because the parts of the burning chambers were not what was actually there in the other parts of the film, but it doesn't matter because fire and awesome
1: yeah awesome fire so we're done then doc drags charles out
2: but is it really charles or is it actually kerwin you can decide for yourself in our final clip
5: are you all right
2: yes
0: thanks to you and to my wife i don't know how i can ever repay you for what you've done dr willett but i intend to try
6: charles are you sure you're all right
0: Perfectly sure, my dear. Perfectly sure. While, like a ghastly rapid river, through the pale door a hideous throng rush out
2: forever and laugh but smile no more. After this, they roll credits. All right, so let's uh, let's dig into the movie a little bit here. First of all, how did the stack treat you on this one? Did you enjoy the
1: film? I enjoyed it immensely. Stack treated me well. Uh, it's Vincent Price, so it's kind of I had good feelings going into this because I love Vincent Price. So
2: we were actually supposed to have a guest tonight who also came down with a touch of the illness. which may or may not have been something that escaped through some of the messages that I was sending him.
1: Well, you know, that's going to happen when you send him an affected, like, thumbtack that he's obviously going to prick himself on opening up a package from you.
2: I didn't mean to do it that way. I'm just evil, and I can't help it, because I get possessed by one of my ancestors.
1: I No, no. If you got possessed by your ancestors, you just put on horns and go pillaging. I think if one of my ancestors possessed me, he'd go, whoa, dude, no, and then just go away. (laughs) If, If one of your ancestors possessed you he'd go hey uh go easy on the dairy and then leave (laughs) but in all seriousness though
2: um this is probably my favorite of the uh corman and vincent price collaborations this is an amazing little like i referred to early lovecraft salad yeah there's pieces of a bunch of different stories that they kind of drew in the main focus is on sort of an unfinished novella or book or whatever you want to refer to it as which is the strange case of charles dexter ward there's another adaptation from the director and screenwriter of of Return of the Living Dead, uh Dan O'Bannon, that was called the Resurrected, which we will probably do eventually. It's just been watched, so it's not in the stack. Okay. That's a lot more faithful adaptation and probably one of the most faithful Lovecraft adaptations out there that you're gonna get. And it's a really cool flick. I mean, it does have its its flaws. It was made in the nineties, so what are you gonna fucking do? Yeah. You know? But it's still a really cool film, and it's got some really cool aspects to it uh, that I really dig. Now, there's a little bit of the Wilbur-Whateley story where there's a thing locked in the attic that has to be attended to and hidden with uh, Edgar's child. Uh, the Malform people that show up kind of reminds me of the sort of fish people from the story that takes place in Innsmouth or something like that. My fever brain won't let me remember it or anything. Yeah. But I can promise you, you've seen stuff that has been taking cues from Lovecraft forever. You just didn't realize it. (laughs) And as we move forward and cover some of those films, I think you're going to kind of develop a love for the guy, despite his gross racism.
1: Nice. Well, yeah. I mean, if he's gross racist, it's kind of hard to love anybody.
2: He was xenophobic. He wrote in the 1930s. He was terrified of integration where cultures would become one and people would mix their cultures and their lives together and have, you know, all people just basically like become part of one big global family i guess is what he was really afraid of and a lot of his stories about the tales of the deep ones or these things that come from another world or another place or deep in the ocean that we're not aware of a lot of that dealt with his fear of the other and of not being able to connect with his own man and you know a lot of that kind of comes out in just pretty much gross racism
1: but yeah
2: if you read other things from the 30s it's not any fucking better it may have just been the parlance of the times that i'm not going to give him a pass for because it's gross, but it's there, and you just kind of have to deal with it if you're going to dig into his stuff.
1: Yeah, I guess that's true. It's just like you can still enjoy, uh, uh, you can still enjoy lethal weapon, even though, you know, Mel Gibson's uh, fucking anti semite Well, this is actually
2: in the stories that you're reading, so you kind of have to etch a sketch it and yeah. pretend like it's not there or look over it and just be like, you know, shake your head like it's your old racist grandpa at Thanksgiving.
1: Yeah, I guess. <laughs> and just be
2: like, that's not how the times are now, grandpa. Back in my day, they knew there place <laughs> shut up grandpa i will punch you <laughs> oh pop pop <laughs> why do you have to be this way One of the things that I definitely want to comment on, though, is the combination of Lon Chaney Jr. and Vincent Price working off of each other. That was amazing in this film.
1: Yeah, that was pretty awesome.
2: You get the feeling that Lon Chaney Jr. was giving his all, and so was Vincent Price, and the two were playing off of each other. And you see Lon Chaney Jr., it's almost like he's back at his best, like he was in his early days before the alcoholism really took him over. Yeah. He was really good in this film. He's very haunting. He delivers his stuff perfectly. I mean, there's no mess-ups. And like I said, it's my favorite of... Of the Corman and uh, Vincent Price adaptations, even though it has nothing to do with Poe, and it's not really the Haunted Palace, it's just a Lovecraft salad. If you etch a sketch all of that and just enjoy the movie for what it is, this is a creepy fucking gothic tale of possession and all sorts of crazy shit. Well, I agree. I completely agree. Now, the thing that I like about the Charles Dexter Ward story is it's not possession in the actual story and then the resurrected adaptation. It's actually like a form of this ancient evil necromancy slash alchemy where you can raise someone from their ashes. They refer to it as their essential salts, but it's like their ashes and their ground up bones and pieces like that. If you have what used to be their body, you can use this alchemy and this mixture of chemicals with this black magic and bring someone back from the dead. Anyone. Yeah. There's like a group of these necromancers that are all powerful and they have all of these people who they will literally raise from the dead to get their knowledge, torture them while they have them back, and then cast them back down when they're done with them. Just really evil, maleficent shit, dude. Damn, that's hardcore. Yeah, that's why I kind of want to push Resurrected up on the list despite the movie stack
1: Jenga backlog that we got to work through.
2: (laughs) Anything else you want to say about the movie before we move on, dude?
1: Uh, No, just that I enjoyed it much like uh, I had never seen before, but much like anything by Vincent Price, I Typically enjoyed it and I and I did. I loved it a lot yeah it's fucking great
2: and uh, I can't wait to show you more Vincent Price flicks um, especially if there's ones that you had never seen before because I I know you've seen some of them but
1: I've seen some but like like the Tingler that was a new one for
2: me (laughs) yeah but finding these more rare ones like where he works with William Castle and then the Poe-Corman cycle when we start digging into those or even you know the classic adaptations of literature that Corman and some other folks did for AIP using Vincent Price that stuff's all fucking gold it's gothic and lovely and lush sets and beautiful costumes and just incredible Incredible stuff. That just the colors—it's just amazing. So it's a whole world. And uh, I will say this: all of the Vincent Price collections from Scream Factory are in the stack for Jenga. So we could end up picking another one very shortly.
1: Ooh, very excited about that. All right, folks. I am
2: not feeling up to the news. The news is: Court is sick. He gave himself Captain Trips, aka the Superflu, and he doesn't have that Theraflu or Tom to feed it to him. Spelling M O O N—that spells Theraflu. And
1: remember, if you (laughs) if you get a pack package from court in the
2: mail don't open it or do because you're in an alternate reality and you're not hearing this
1: oh that's true yeah if you're in an alternate reality all that shit's good don't worry about it all right folks we're gonna take one last break
2: here we'll play a promo for one more podcast we'll have a little bit of music and we will close out this fucking
3: show throughout the history of the horror genre there have been those that say horror is for the weak minded we here at the little pot of horrors do not take kindly to such derisive inference We are the
2: bastions of tact, good taste, and highbrow horror discussion.
4: Look no further, discerning listener, for here, the world of modern horror is
3: discussed with reverence, respect, and similitude of decorum. Stop
2: being such a bitch!
0: Hey everybody, this is Tim Dorn and you are listening to The Little Pod of Horrors.
2: Even the people who hate horror love to talk about horror because they love to talk about how much they don't like
1: horror. I don't know. Do you want me to Google horror movie ghost in the attic?
6: Hi, I'm Nacho Vigalondo, director of Crimes and Open Windows and you know what, I'm listening to The Little Pod of Horrors.
2: Seriously though, join us for festival reviews, interviews and guest spots from fellow beloved broadcasters. <laughs>
3: See, I told you I'd <laughs> f*** it up. <laughs> My name is Gareth Evans. You're listening to The Little Pod of Horrors. Bisexualized horror? Do you mean talk No. No. Exactly. I've got to bleep <laughs> that now. <laughs> Hello, this is number one New York Times best-selling horror author, Scott Sigler, and you are listening to The Little Pod of Horrors, which does for podcasting what Chucky does for daycare.
5: The Little Pod of Horrors. The best idea since premarital sex on Halloween. Come find us on SimplySyndicated.com and on iTunes,
1: if you dare.
2: When I'm not sick, and I care more about living, and I'm a lot, let's just say, healthier, I'm going to edit this episode down and get it out to everybody and still make the deadline. It doesn't matter if I'm dying, Matt. I'm still going to record an episode. Of course you are. Oh, it works. And the reason for that is that I am a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network, and I don't want to let the Legion fans down. Though no. You can find us at legionpodcast.com forward slash cinema dash styops. We have a Facebook group where I expect to see all sorts of stuff that we've referenced put into alternative photography. Come on, folks. You did some amazing stuff for us based on our Christmas episodes. You did some amazing stuff for us based on our full franchise fest. You can do it for fucking Vincent Price and Roger Corman. When don't they do amazing stuff. That's what I
1: love about our Facebook
2: group. It's Cinema Styops on Facebook. Guys, go join the group. It's a shitload of fun. We're all demented. We're all team garbage people. It's awesome. Whoop, whoop. You can find me on Facebook. I am Cord Styops. You can find Matt on Facebook. He is Matt Styop. Make sure you're looking for the plank that says the word brutal, because in real life, he looks an awful lot like Lon Chaney Jr. in the Haunted Palace, only with blonde hair. <laughs> yes. You can email feedback to Matt, the Styop Matt, at gmail.com. Let him know that he really didn't have to do a lot of work this episode. Even though Court was sick, he pulled it out. Yeah, it would have been a good day for me. You can email feedback to Court. Let him know that you appreciate the fact that regardless of how miserable he may or may not be, you're very happy that he still put out an episode for you to listen to him sounding all awful and kind of sexy in his gross, stick voice. The CinemaSciHouseCourt yeah. at gmail.com. Yeah. The sexy part,
1: you're pushing a little bit. You're pushing.
2: You can twit a couple of tweets, do a couple of twats. I'm at court underscore psyop. Matt is at syop. Matt, we've asked for it. We haven't got it. So send us some cute, fluffy pictures of cats or, you know, puppies or
1: kittens or puppies and kittens playing. Yeah. But we still want to see hot people new. Mm. Uh That too. That too. In fact, that first and then the puppies and kitties because we need eye bleach for after, you know we feel shame <laughs> for the things that we do or when we look in the mirror
2: yeah. all right folks i'd like to thank you so much for downloading and listening to this episode we're here for you every week if you're here for us kick the fuck out of this week and make it your bitch
4: do you feel that oh shit Wah-ah-ah-ah. Wah-ah-ah-ah. Get up, come on, get down with the sickness. Get up, come on, get down with the sickness. Get up, come on, get down with the sickness. Open up your head and let it flow into me. Get up, come on, get down with the sickness. Your mother, get up. Come on, get down with the sickness You fucker, get up Come on, get down with the sickness Madness is the gift that has been given to me I can see inside you the sickness is rising It seems that all that was good has died Oh no, the world is a scary place Now that you've woken up the demon in me
3: Bobby, will you give it to me? Two, three, four. Oh. <laughs> get up, come on, get down with
1: the sickness, you mother. Get up, come on, get down with the sickness, you fucker. Get up, come on, get down with the sickness. Open up your head and let it flow into me. I have that memory loss disease?